listening to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. Each episode, we look at the topics that can make our working lives difficult and explore how you can take action to improve things. We want to help you move from simply surviving work to thriving at work. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by Work Life Psych, a team of workplace psychologists who are experts in coaching, training, and structured development programs. You can find out more about how we help people grow and develop at work by visiting our website, worklifepsych.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 60 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. And ironically, this time around, we're not really talking about a traditional workplace or a static workplace. We're going to be talking a lot about how tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are now working from their home because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Um, this isn't a topic we can ignore. Uh, it's changing the context for so many of us. So we thought we'd, we'd cover it off looking at it through the lens of the psychology of the workplace, as in adapting to changing work, uh, working circumstances. Um, I'm Richard McKinnon. I'm joined by my co-host Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how are you doing in the middle of all of this upheaval? I'm okay. It is very strange. It is still feeling strange and the weeks feel very differently to how they normally feel, but I am good. And listeners, I hope you are too. Absolutely. I hope everyone's listening to this is uh, listening to it for some distraction, yes. <laughs> maybe entertainment, and uh, is able to find a break. Um, I, we don't normally do this, but I want to be really clear that we're recording this on a Tuesday, the 24th of March for context, because things might have changed really quite quickly by the time we get this out the door. You should be listening to this ahead of schedule. We're, we're getting this episode out early because I wanted it to be as uh, relevant as, as possible. And you know, all of the episodes that have gone out lately were actually recorded some time ago. So we, we sounded super cheery and super chirpy. Um, <laughs> and I hope that didn't sound strange to people because all of this, uh, pandemic, uh, stuff has been going on, uh, in between. So this is the first time we've really had a chance to cover it in depth. And as I say, this is about the, the move that so many of us are, are experiencing from a static workplace, like an office, uh, like a shop, um, like a, well, I was going to say hospital, but probably not mm. hospital, but being asked to work from home wherever possible. And uh, really, that's that's very difficult for people that are not used to that. Um, what I want to start with, though, is is point people in the direction from some resources. So just in case you don't make it to the end of this <laughs> discussion that we're going to have, because you might you might get distracted, you might get pulled into something else. We've put a page on the website, the Work Life Psych website. Um, it's worklifepsych.com slash working from home. I'm going to use that as a, a place where we're going to put resources, links to episodes like this, links to blog posts. And I've also recorded a webinar uh, covering some of the key points we're going to talk about today. And, and the recording of that um, is also on that page. So worklifesite.com slash working from home is where we're going to put all of these things for the next while. And, and I can't be more specific than that, because I really don't know, nor does anyone how long this is, uh, is going to go on for. So Pilar, I, I thought we'd start by talking a little bit contextually about this. Um, working from home when you've got the plumber coming around or working from home because you've had a bit of a childcare crisis, that's very different, isn't it? To working from home permanently when that's your choice and working from home suddenly 
permanently, no end in sight. Feels very different, doesn't it? Completely. And as we were saying earlier, even for those of us whose home is uh, one of the places of work ongoing, even that feels differently because everything has changed. It's not just that people are working from their homes, but also, like you were saying, the children might be there or other uh, people in the house might be there when they normally wouldn't. So it's a, it's a working from home, but I like that you said earlier something like working from the home or <laughs> something different so, that, mm -hmm. we can, so that, that we can distinguish it from the more normal working from home we might be used to. Absolutely. So rather than a one day a week or a couple of days a week or even a permanent situation where the the workplace is replicated in the home, many of us are now working alongside people potentially for the first time, you know, either housemates or a spouse or another family member. We might never have done that before. And we've got the added um, uh, complication uh, of childcare. And not only that, uh, educating the kids, doing homeschooling from that. So really, I think the first thing we really want to hammer home is that this is not, in inverted commas, standard working from home. And therefore, we really need to help people manage each other's expectations about what's possible, what it's going to look like, and how they're going to feel while they do this. Because it's not simply, here's a laptop, go and replicate your work uh, from your sofa. The other thing, of course, is that it's wonderful broadband that allows us to work from home normally. And some at the moment, we're probably going to have some demands on it. I was talking to someone the other day who, referring to their home, I think they had quite a few children, said, this looks like a co-working space. <laughs> and we're all fighting for broadband. Exactly, exactly. So never mind, um, you know, peace and quiet, being able to connect, being able to find somewhere that's, you know, uh, appropriate to sit and put a computer and maybe have some paperwork and maybe have a conversation that needs a bit of privacy or at least a bit of quiet. These are the things that can make life more difficult and more challenging. And let's remember, this is happening in the home. So the other people who are there, first and foremost, it's their home. And, you know, that, that could lead to some friction, some disagreements, some arguments, the kind of last things that we need on top of the pressure and stress that's coming from the news and what's going on around us. So we're talking about working from home. I mean, everyone's talking about working from home, but working from the home during a pandemic, the like of which we've not seen in modern times, I think we need to take a very different look at this and help people understand that it's not like flicking a switch. This is not going to be you at work just in a different place. It's going to require adaptation. It's going to require iteration, experimentation. And as I said in a blog post the other day, which I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, but keywords that jumped out for me included patience and compassion. We really, really need to be patient with each other and we need to have compassion for those people that we interact with at work, maybe because they're not as comfortable as us with the technology we're using, maybe that their home situation isn't as amenable to work, or maybe they're just really anxious about what's going on in the world. And if we took those as our calling cards, that that patience for others and, and having some compassion for ourselves and, and for other people. I think that could really help us navigate the inevitable challenges that we're going to face over the next few weeks and months. Mm -hmm. 
I call that that blog post uh, homework being uh, homeworking being a marathon, not a sprint. And I think that might be a good place to start, just elaborating a little bit on that because. You know, if you are doing that occasional homework, it can be tempting to say, oh, I'm super productive. There's no one here to bother me. It's nice and quiet, not like my office. I can really knuckle down and finish this report or write this proposal or make these dozens of phone calls. And that work can really look like a sprint, you know, working towards a deadline or cramming in lots of work. And, and that works occasionally but it's not sustainable really over the permanent term. And so the image I'd like to share is that this is much more like a long-term arrangement. So let's work in a more sustainable way, like you would train for a marathon, as opposed to just sprinting to get to the end of the street, because we can't keep sprinting. Something will fall over. So everything that we talk about when it comes to working from home, everything that we discuss in the workplace and the recommendations and the new ways of working, I think we need to look at that as if it was at least semi-permanent and not just for a matter of weeks, because for some people, this could be the new way of working and at least semi-permanent. And it, maybe they will continue to work from home uh, at least some days a week. So rather than uh, a sticking plaster, we need to think about how we can make this new normal work for as many people in as diverse a set of circumstances uh, and situations as possible. I think it's, that is that is so key what you're saying about we're 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 trying to rush to it because we have to keep work, you know, because we have to keep working because actually we're working from home. It's not a holiday, but we can't rush through. How does it feel to be having to work with the children in the house? How does it feel with actually that uncertainty that is br being brought by the news? How does it feel to not be able to go to your gym every day to, to, to let out the energy and, you know, relax or whatever it is mm -hmm. that you do. And, To, it's really about you really have to slow down I'm finding myself having to slow down my thinking process also to really think through stuff okay I, instead of starting to do something I'm having to go okay is this something I should do now shouldn't I take a break because actually if not I'm just gonna go 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 <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so. absolutely that reconsidering what we're doing with our time and our energy is is really important and looking if we're being a bit too demanding of ourselves Um, because we're all in the middle of a, a massive upset. So it's not just that you've got a week at home um, mm. for whatever reason. Uh, this is the sort of perfect storm of difficult working conditions that you could imagine um, overlaid with uh, uh, an international crisis. So let's all go a little easier on each other, but especially ourselves with what we expect we can get done in a given day. So um, I suppose we've got different groups, haven't we? When we think about um, working from home right now, we've got some people, as we alluded to, that are well used to working from their home and have built up all kinds of useful habits, and ways of working and routines and schedules. And of course, they've got those skills, but their context may be changed hugely by the presence of other people who also have to work from that space. Or as you said, Pilar, they may not have the resources they've used anymore because they're effectively confined to their home. So they'll have to develop other ways of dealing with challenges and pressures and other conversations with the people that they live with and maybe other routines just to make it all work interdependently. 
I can speak from personal experience there. <laughs> um, I was hoping you might. <laughs> because I, I do use a co-working space every now and then, but I do do a lot of work from home. And the way I've managed to do that is by slotting two or three hour breaks in the middle of the day, during which I went to a dance class or an exercise class. I can't do that anymore. So I'm having to change. Yeah. I've changed that for a half an hour walk in the morning instead, which I also used to do, but that's, that's it. And then maybe a little bit of Pilates at home. But the in other interesting thing is that um, I live in a one bedroom flat. So we have a lounge with, and I share with my husband and the, we have our desk in the lounge. What usually happens is when he uses it on Saturday mornings, I go to the co-working space so he can have that workspace to himself. Now, of course, we're sharing it. We've got a calendar to say, okay, uh, during these hours, I, Pilar, have to be online and I have to be in silence and good broadband. These are the hours I'm podcasting, so then my husband can be at the desk. And the same, he's got, he actually works for a university doing manual stuff. He does stuff in a workshop, digital services, but still, he has students coming to him. They now have to work from home. And one of the things they're doing is at 10 o'clock, they're keeping their uh, meetings. They used to have a meeting right at the beginning of the day. So they're doing that meeting at 10 o'clock online. So between 10 and 11, now that's my time to go out, do whatever I need to do. So, yeah, it's, uh, you, you, and that, you know, we, we, we talked through it. Uh, we're seeing how it goes. It, it, it's working okay for, for now. We've only been like three days. It's, it feels like ages. That's the other thing, Richard. <laughs> yeah. It does. I, I actually don't remember the last time I had a very standard working day. Um, apart from the fact, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually doing quite a bit of travel, but it had all kicked off more than two weeks ago and it was already being discussed and things were changing around me. And then it seems to have accelerated. Um, and yeah, I'm in a very similar position. Um, I'm working at home now and so is my partner. And, and we do have a, a spare room, which we converted into a study almost from the get go, but we both need to work. So we're, we're just taking turns. Um, I stepped into this room to record this 10 minutes before we were due to start recording. Um, earlier in the day, I was using the couch and a table and it, you know, um, was it as good as my own office office? No, not at all. But you know, you, I think this is part of the adaptation. It's about getting used to and accepting what's not perfect and accepting the the challenges that, that come our way. And what I haven't had to deal with are kids, um, noise, um, teaching kids, any of those other things. Um, so, you know, I, I can definitely see the pluses or at least the advantages of the situation that we are in. But what I can't imagine are the, the challenges that lots of people are facing out there who, where the expectation is that they will simply be their work selves at home. And I think that's the myth we want to, to knock on the head today. Mm -hmm. Yes. Cause the, the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's some things I, I thought we'd run through, you know, we put a few bullet points together, um, on, on our, wonderful Trello board. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure we're going to come back to talk about these tools again in coming episodes to help people collaborate uh, when they are remote to each other, because they are really wonderful tools for, for that in particular. But um, I thought we'd go through some of the things I touched on a little bit in the, in the webinar and then point people in the direction of that recording so they can listen to that in, in more detail, because it's about 45 minutes long. So we don't need to go through all of these. But Pilar, 
I would love to hear your views mm. on some of these points as we go through them. Um, because you have, maybe it's worth reiterating at this point, you've got an awful lot of experience and expertise in helping teams work remotely, um, in, in, um, uh, distributed ways. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what that looks like. <laughs> what in normal circumstances? <laughs> exactly. In the normal world before today. Yeah, I think that's really important though, that even with, um, when we're working with others in this way, when we're away from each other, that it's difficult to model ourselves on teams that have been doing this for a while. Because that is all, a th a th you have to think through how you're doing it. You've got time to reflect, you've got time to experiment. Whereas now, it, 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 at the moment, right now, especially in the UK, we're still starting to, to see what this means for us. So I, I was saying earlier to you that even, and, and that I'm having to learn how, how to help people to do this because I don't know. And I haven't heard how this is done. It's, this is really remote work in a crisis with all the things that yes. you've been saying. So mm. I think that's also important to, to, to remember that it's going to take, like you were saying, it's going to take a while. And you mentioned tools and not to go too, too crazy at the moment or think that we need loads of technology to continue to stay mm -hmm. in touch. One or two things will help us. And the important thing is, to check in with people if you need to, but also to, like you were saying, to have some time and space to be able to get on with your work on your own also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think um, that uh, working from home in a crisis is is what we can describe this as. And um, teams working remote from each other build up their ways of working and build up their culture of working over time. And it doesn't happen overnight. One of the first things I wanted to cover off was basically some of the practicalities that people might like to consider. Now, they've probably run headfirst into some of these from day one when when attempting to work from home. But, you know, it can be really good, as we've alluded to, to have a dedicated space to do your work. Now, if you're living alone or you're the only person in your household who is expected to work from home, that can be relatively straightforward. I don't think there's, there's hard and fast rules here, except the only thing I advise people against, if possible, is not to work in their bedroom, because that can really lead to problems when it comes to sleep. You'll spend all day doing something challenging in your bedroom, and then just a couple of hours later, attempt to relax in exactly the same space. So wherever possible, and I know it's not realistic for everyone, but maybe setting up at the kitchen table, maybe sitting on the sofa, just getting away from that bedroom and keeping that as a bit of a sanctuary for relaxation and for sleep. That can be really useful to bear in mind. I heard something the other day I really liked, and uh, I mean, people who work from home might have already been doing this, but it's um, when when picking the space or when sitting at the workspace, wherever that is, like a kitchen table, to have a little uh, um, piece of paper that says uh, workstation or office and put that there, which I think is great. It can help maybe mindset, but also if there are other people in the house, it just it's a very visual sign of, okay, now I'm working. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm sitting at the table because also when you don't have that that uh, piece of paper, then it also signals now I'm not working. Now I'm here in the home for you. So I think uh, some little visual signals and it, that that can help us now to to just separate or or communicate what we're doing can can also be helpful. It's really important. We're visual creatures, you know, and we we uh, pay attention to visual cues. So if you walked into a room and it was full of 
45 desks and, and people working at those desks, you go, well, this is an office. I better behave as if it were an office. But if you walk into the kitchen and someone, you know, is just staring at their laptop, you, you don't know. So I think anything we can do to indicate we're at work. And I think that's one of the other really key points. You know, if we're working in the same space with other people, it's very helpful to talk about that mm. and not just assume that it's going to work. So have a discussion with the people with whom you share your home and talk about working hours, expectations and, and uh, share those expectations you have of each other. Look for overlaps, look for potential pinch points. Maybe it's around making phone calls at the same time or making use of the space, need for quiet, need for the broadband, all of those things. And and see if you can develop some agreed principles, not rules as such, but in general, this is how we're going to make this space work for us. And of course, the plus size is that you can get some really uh, good sort of camaraderie and social support if you agree to take your lunches at the same time or have a coffee break at the same time. But I think it's really important to talk about it just so there's no assumptions that my job's more important than your job, for example, or I will automatically get the kitchen table mm. just because I'm there early in the morning and potentially sitting down with your calendars and looking at the week ahead and saying, look, let me just ring fence this time because it's, it's super important what's going on in my company or for my clients or whatever. So just get it out of your mind, have the discussion and agree how you're going to share that space. It's much more likely that you can avoid the big arguments if you do that to begin with. And again, uh, there's no one rule uh, for everybody here, but thinking about the longer term when you set up your workspace so that it's ergonomic and you're not going to give yourself RSI or, or hurt your back. So think about a way that you can set up your computer um, that's going to work for you for weeks and months rather than, oh, I'm just here for the afternoon. I can have it in my lap on the sofa. It's fine. Now, I'm, I always uh, direct people to the health and safety executive online. They've got great resources when it comes to setting up workstations and um, scientific guidance on what's healthy and um, uh, can be used over the long term. But just consider that. And if you are going to be working from one space in the long term, it may mean you getting extra equipment. And that might mean getting a, a monitor that's a bigger screen. It might mean getting a stand for your laptop or uh, making sure that you've got a proper size keyboard that you can use with that laptop. Um, they're not intended really to be the only computer you ever use every day of the week. Uh, they're not designed for that. So it can be useful to, to see how much you're going to be using these devices and what a safe and effective working space could look like for you, but also how can you clear it away and, and get rid of it to return your home to being a home when you want to? I think that's one of the challenges people face when working from home from time to time is that they still feel like they're working at the end of the day when they've stopped because there's a pile of papers and a laptop and a binder and a bag and all, it, on the kitchen table. So it can be useful to clear those visual cues, put them away, and then take them out the next day. And you've turned that workspace back into the kitchen or the dining room or the spare bedroom or whatever it is. And I think it's now even more difficult to make those distinctions in our minds and physically because we use computers and tech so much for our home. 
So mm-hmm. um, something that, I mean, not everyone can do this, but for example, my husband has decided, he spends a lot of time on the sofa surfing the net and watching, uh, learning videos for, you know, for his hobbies and stuff. So now he's got an old computer that he uses for that and he uses his other computer for work. So he says, okay, if I open this laptop, I'm at work. <laughs> if I use mm-hmm. this other one. So I know that not everyone will have that luxury, but I think maybe that's something that we can do I don't know, I would I try to do it with my phone also. So I either put the phone away or decide that the phone is for home and the laptop is for work. So I think if we have more than one device, it might help to to separate, to only use one instead of everything all the time for everything. You're absolutely right. And there's no uh, perfect way of doing no. this, but exploring it for yourself so that you can, with the people you live with, have an understanding of how devices will be used and where they will be used and uh, um, how you can signify to yourself that the working day has started and when it's over. One of the things that, that I can find, um, people find quite useful is to have a, a routine. <laughs> Um, and that means replicating a working routine across the days of the week that you work and sticking to that routine. Because as humans, we do benefit from having a routine and in- ensuring that you have ways of starting and finishing your day, especially if you're in um, what we could loosely call a knowledge work job, because the work doesn't end, right? We've said this a few times on the podcast. One of the most important skills for you is to know when your working day is over and draw a line under it. Because if nobody told you otherwise, you could just keep working and working and working. And when you're away from the social cues of the workplace, it could be tempting to keep going, particularly if you feel you haven't been productive enough that day. You might feel under a bit of pressure, but that's not really sustainable to put in tons and tons of extra hours. So think about what the beginning of your day could look like. Maybe it's after my cup of tea, I sit down, I open my laptop, then the day has begun. And maybe at the end of the the day, it's I go for a quick walk outside or um, I uh, sit down with the kids with their homework or I whatever that routine is, that ritual at the end of the day, then you've got some boundaries. Uh, either side, because I think Pilar, you'd agree there's a real risk that work can really spill over into every aspect of life where you haven't got that kind of compartmentalization of some some kind. Yeah, and I'm usually quite good at doing that. So I like to share something in case it's of use to anyone else, because I will close my laptop, uh, but then I'll have an idea and I decide I have to act on it there and then. So I open my laptop again. <laughs> Uh, so what I've started doing, be- just because my day has changed, I don't have as uh, I don't have as much of a big break in the middle of the day now. So my I'm working longer hours. Um, so what I have now is a, a, a notepad which I didn't used to have because I moved around a lot. But now I have one workspace, so I have a notepad, and now I'm really conscious of okay that thing that I would have just gone to the laptop. No, write it down, and it will have to be done tomorrow. So I think also noticing um, whether we're we're starting to be drawn back into work at moments of rest and doing something that would work for us to have a bit more control over it, I think might might help. And yeah, absolutely. Imagine it was 10 years ago and your computer was yeah. in the office and you'd have to get back on the tube to go to the office. <laughs> you wouldn't do it. You'd say, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. I had a really good idea at home. I'll make sure I have a note of it and I'll bring it into the office. It, it's the same thing. Your office is now in a backpack in the hall. Yeah. But you know, just because you can open the laptop, it doesn't mean it's a good idea for you or or the people you're living with. Um, it, it, on that point about productivity, I think it's very important over the next few weeks. Now we're you know getting towards the end of March. 
you know, the next three or four weeks that people have a much more realistic view of what's doable in a given day. Um, this is partly due to adapting to new working circumstances. It will be partly due to the inevitable organizational change that many, many, many organizations are now going to face. And I would suspect it's partly going to be due to a level of anxiety about what's going on in the world. So these are not normal days. This is not typical. So go easy on yourself and make sure that you've established some priorities for your day. Focus on them and get that stuff done. You can't do it all. So don't expect that you're going to be able to get everything done, but pick two or three key priorities that you think a good day at work will be if I get these things done. And then if other things come my way and I'm able to handle them, that's, that's great as well. And I think that's for managers to also um, acknowledge that they could role model this. They could support this in their teams, but they also need to manage expectations about, Hey, this is what the organization is expecting of you. And this is the help we can give you with it. And this is how we might have to change our, um, deadlines. This is how projects might need to change. Uh, project plans might need to be adjusted. And, and I dare say there will be a lot of that in organizations. Um, a very simple, uh, thing, and it's, it's also really useful around the, the topic of, of well-being is to set some reminders for yourself. And those reminders can be to take breaks. Those reminders can be to have lunch. Uh, those reminders can be about important calls you need to make. And, and uh, absolutely a reminder to finish the day. Because if you are by yourself and you have that glorious peace and quiet, you may get really absorbed in what you're doing and forget to take a break. Because in, the, in an office environment or any workplace, you have lots of visual cues. Other people are taking a break. Other people are leaving to go home, whatever it might be. So you might need to set up a few uh, reminders for yourself on your phone or your computer. It's time to stand up, have a walk around, have a glass of water. It's time to get something to eat. And you're intended, it's time to finish my day. I'll just finish up this task and put my stuff away. Um, because then you will hopefully avoid the, the trap of working unintentionally and unmanageable long hours. And I imagine if you're sharing the space with other people that can also help you not to be thinking all the time, oh, should I be spending time with them? If you mm -hmm. have delineated those times and have that reminder that is going to say, okay, now it's time to do this, or now it's time to switch desks, or now it's time to whatever, to do a bit of homeschooling, then it means yeah. you're not all the time thinking, oh, should I, should I, should I? So yeah, anything we can delegate to technology must be great. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that point about schedule is really important, isn't it? Because it may be that at times of the day, you're going to be uncontactable for a few moments. And one of the challenges with remote work is the, the amount of trust that's required, um, for that to be interpreted as, well, I'm sure they're busy rather than why aren't they responding? You know, maybe they're watching TV. So to be able to signpost to other people what you're up to, as in, I'm going to be out of, the loop for the next 30 minutes. I've got to do something with my kids or I'm going to be taking a break at this point. And if it's an emergency, call me. But um, it's very easy for people to assume um, malice or uh, laziness when in fact, there's a lot going on in the home now. It's not just someone sitting there with their computer trying to do that work they brought home with them. They're navigating a lot of things. So again, a bit of patience, a bit of understanding um, and, and asking people, how they're getting on with that is going to be really helpful because some people may be pedaling super fast to try and keep up appearances. And I think if we all understand that we're under the same or similar uh, 
pressures with this, we'll, we'll all, you know, get on a lot better. I was on a video call earlier today where we had a very serious conversation with someone, but there was a baby sitting next to this person on the couch. Now the baby was out of shot, but it was very definitely there. <laughs> and it didn't impact our conversation. And it made me feel an awful lot better about that person that they could crack on with what they needed to do. And they, they didn't make any apologies. There was no big story about the baby. Baby was there. We had our, our quick chat and then we moved on. And, and I think that's the kind of thing that we need to normalize that, Hey, my situation has changed and I'm, I'm getting on the best I can. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing lots of people quote that uh, video that happened some time ago when someone uh, who was on doing a BBC interview had their kids in the background. Mm. And uh, I'm thinking, yes. well, that actually, we should now embrace that also because it's going to happen and it should be, at the moment, I think it can be normalized because uh, uh, we just have to accept that that might happen now. And, you know, at some point then maybe we can do it so that it's not, it doesn't interrupt our flow of our conversation or stuff. But, I think, like you say, it's these are not the these are these are not the normal times. I think sometimes we have to almost redefine some of the etiquette that we, that we uh, work yeah. by. Absolutely, I think that kind of stuff can humanize yeah. us as well and get us help us to to learn who our colleagues and our clients are as people, because we may only see one very limited dimension of them day to day. So learning a little bit more about their home life and them being open about that with us could really contribute to strengthening relationships. Um, we just can't assume that everyone is finding it as easy as we're finding it or has the same kind of lifestyle arrangement that we do. Yeah. And therefore they should be dot, dot, dot. Uh, let's ask rather than assume that it's working really well for them. And I think there's a, there's a big thing we, we, we touched on when I was interviewed for you, for your podcast, Pilar, this point about isolation. I think this is a really, really important thing. Anything that we can do when working with others to avoid them being isolated is going to be really important over the next while, especially for those people who are not used to working away from the workplace, to keep in touch with them, to ensure that they feel involved, um, making sure this doesn't come across as micromanagement, but just checking in with people. And Pilar, you mentioned we've no shortage of apps mm. and communications channels to do this. So it, it's just about making sure that managers and peers just have a have a check in uh, a couple of times a day to see how people are getting on, um, because life can feel very different when we haven't got those colleagues around us when we previously had been used to it. Mm-hmm. And also, I think it's worth having that conversation of how much do you need of that connection? Also, because mm-hmm. some people will be fine with just touching in once uh, once a day, but others might need just a little bit more. Um, and also going back to your point about the home life, it's also worth um, giving the space for people who actually do not want the, the the blend of home and work to to be able to say, well, right now I'm really struggling. So can I keep my uh, can I keep my uh, work and my life separate? So I'm not going to be able to do this amount of stuff because I want to either be with my kids or with you. And I don't want to be with both at the same time. So I think that, that now we can, but we have to vocalize that if that's our case, because the, the, everyone is reacting acting differently to to this. So I think that, uh, yeah, it's really important to vocalize, well, first to, to start to be aware of what we need, because we might not know, and then also to to share it if we can with other people so that they know what, what, uh, what we are struggling with or what helps us. 
You're absolutely right. I mean, we touched on it way, way, way back in one of our earlier episodes when looking at work-life balance as a concept, <laughs> when we talked about ban- boundary management strategies, you know, and, and some people see the boundary between their personal life and their professional as being very porous and things can spill over in either direction and that's fine. And for other people, it's much more like a solid wall between the two. Their preference is to keep things very separate. And for those people right now, this could be very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the personal and the professional are just colliding on a daily basis. So you, you're absolutely right. Asking people how they would like this to work for them and um, giving people a chance to influence the situation and giving them the capacity uh, to always put their hand up at any point, because you might get through the first week on adrenaline and novelty for some of us. And the second week is a bit tougher, but you know, at the end of a month of this, it could feel very, very, very differently. So let's maybe look at these working arrangements as being um, temporary in that they can be revisited and people's responsibilities and uh, hours and, and things like that may need to adjust around this once they've been doing it for a sufficient amount of time. I suspect some people will want to demonstrate they can do it, you know, yesterday, today, tomorrow, and and feel great about it. And there could be some great camaraderie and and some great jokes about working from home. Let's look at it in a few weeks and see how people feel about it then and what kind of support that they need and what kind of adjustments they need. I think that's really important what you're saying about revisiting because even that context will change from week to week. And like you say, it might be great at the moment that we're sharing all this stuff and, and but actually after a while, it might not be what we're most comfortable with again. So there's a really good reflection that even this context is going to change day by day, week by week. Exactly, exactly. And I, I suppose what's what's um, worth underlining here is, you know, we're directing people to an online resource to help them deal with uh, challenges to do with managing the working from home situation. We can't ignore the fact that this is all due to a pandemic and illness and people are losing their lives. People are getting incredibly ill. It's, it's causing an awful lot of uh, pain and suffering. You know, before we even get to things like the disruption it's causing in 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 countries and organizations and the hit the economies are taking. So we're looking at this in a very small way in an area that we're familiar with, but it all needs to be looked at through the lens of this global, this global crisis. So I don't want anyone to think we're playing down any of that stuff, mm. but I'm not a virologist. I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert in epidemiology or anything close to it. So I don't want to talk about what we should or shouldn't be doing in that space. Um, I just know that routines are helpful. I know what anxiety feels like. Um, and I know how we can, and PLR as well, we know how we can make work work for us when we're not in a static place. And that's why we're focusing on that today. That said, if you have questions, uh, we'd love to hear them. If we can answer them, we, we definitely will. If you're new to working from home, if you're one of that big group, get in touch with us. Uh, you can send us a long message at worklifepsych.com slash contact. And there's a form there that you can fill in. Or you can send us a message on Twitter at mypocketpsych. If it's uh, going to fit within the, the uh, character limits there on Twitter, we would love to hear from you. If it's not a question, if it's just an example of how you're dealing with it, uh, if it's um, uh, a tip or a tool or something that would bring a smile 
to people's faces. We'd love to, to hear about those. Um, just to reiterate, the recording of the webinar from the 18th of March is on worklifesite.com slash working from home. And that page is a bit of a work in progress. We're going to add things to it, um, links to for example, this, uh, but also blog posts, external resources. And one thing I did mention earlier, I put up a downloadable daily planner. I think maybe daily planner is stretching it a little bit, but it's a PDF you can print off that I think I've used something similar in, in productivity training. And just to get on one page, how you might like to approach your day, people can find that quite liberating. So that page just asks you to write down three priority tasks, a list of people that you want to contact during the day, putting down the times that you're going to take your breaks during the day, There's some space for notes, but it finishes with practicing some gratitude, identifying three things that you're grateful for today. And this context in particular, I think, could really benefit from us reiterating the, the benefits that we know that practicing the skills of psychological flexibility can bring and underlining some of the evidence for positive psychology interventions. And that's a really good example where the two intersect around gratitude. What is it that you can be grateful for from this day, no matter how difficult, challenging, upsetting or anxiety inducing, were there some moments of levity? Were there some moments where you felt good about things? What made you smile? And that can be a nice way uh, to, to end your working day. So I think we'll wrap up on that positive note before we're tempted to, to look at the negatives <laughs> once again. Um, but we really would love to hear from you. So do get in touch. We like, we like to hear what people think, uh, about the podcast. I did trail also just from a logistical point of view, I trailed a few future episodes and actually I, th I think we might need to deviate from our plan, but bear with us while we figure it out because we want this podcast to be as relevant as possible. Um, so if you have uh, ideas for, for things you want us to cover in the next few episodes, do let us know. Any communication channel is acceptable and we'll see what we can do about building it in. But for now, uh, Pilar, thank you very much for your time and your expertise. And uh, thank you to everyone who's listening. We'll speak to you again next time. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.